0: God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. What Solomon is saying, he's saying, look, there will come a reckoning. There will come a day when you have to answer for the stuff you've done. So remember God when you're young. Remember God when you can change. Remember God when the life course can take the right turn.
1: The last time we were together, we brought you the first portion of The Reckoning with Pastor Michael Tenko. We will complete that broadcast here now today. Thanks for listening. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenco.
0: Friend, hatred is the twisted thing that bends the best into the likeness of the bent one who is the father of all lies, the father of all hate, Satan. And so they said we would not listen to him. Oh, how we need to listen in life. Don't we need to listen in life? Don't we need to have ears that are open to the needs of others? Hearts that are open to consider that someone is suffering and going through stuff. That it's not about all of us in our life. It's about what's going through other people in their lives. They said that in his distress. He cried out to us and we did not listen to him. The first time the Hebrew word distress is used in the Torah It is Jacob's father who is running for his life into the arms of God in the night. I mean, when you're running, when you're running because you've made a mistake, when you're running because you've sinned, when you're running because you're guilty of sin, friends, there is a place to run. Run into the arms of God. Jacob is running from his brother Esau, whose birthright he has stolen, whose heart he has ripped apart with his trickery and his deceit. And as he runs and he collapses at Bethel in the night, the place that is called in Hebrew, the house of God, He sees in a dream this pillar-like ladder that reaches into the heavens and he sees God. And what affects him most in the day of his distress is that that ladder from God reaches all the way down to the lowest spot on earth where he needs God. So in the day of his distress, God is there. So Jacob shared the answer for his distress with his children and wives in Genesis 35 verse 3. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel that I may make there an altar to the God who answered me. Hear the phrase, who answered me, when? What does it say? In the day of what? My distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. I mean, that's the God we worship. We don't worship a disconnected deity that doesn't care about us because we've messed up. We don't worship a God who's not concerned about our lives because we broke one of his rules. We worship a God who loves us more than his law. We worship a God who is the hound of heaven in hot pursuit of people who live in trouble. People who have earned the right to have troubled lives. God wants to answer them with grace and mercy. Jacob had shared the truth with all his family. The truth that God answered him in the day of my distress Joseph cried out to his brothers in the day of his distress and they left him to die. They fought. They left him as he was crying in the days of his distress. But God didn't leave him. And friend, God won't leave you either if you cry out to him. Now the tables have turned on these brothers of his. And they are in the day of their distress like Jacob was in his. And where do they turn for help when they have sinned against God? They have sinned against their brother. They have sinned against their father. They are the scum of the earth, these brothers of Joseph. Jacob turned to God when he sinned against his brother. Joseph's brothers have been running from God all their distasteful lives. And now his distress, Joseph's distress, has caught up with them all. And they know... They know deep inside that his distress has this godlike power to destroy them in the reckoning. As much as they hated Joseph, they could never escape from Joseph's ghost in their lives. The ghost of that blood-curdling cry from the pit, Save me, help me, don't leave me. They did. And they thought it a virtue to leave him to die. But then they sold him into slavery so they wouldn't have to hear the cries in the pit. And they thought they were done with it. Reuben was the firstborn son. He suddenly spoke up as one who tried to stop the sin but failed. He's here saying, look, I tried to stop you guys. You went ahead and did it. He's kind of blaming them. He didn't try hard enough, though. And he didn't stand up enough as the firstborn to save Joseph. He was a fickle, weak kind of older brother. Here he speaks out to the nine, verse 22. And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you? Not to sin against the lad, but you would not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Hebrew interpreter telling them what Joseph was saying, but Joseph understood every word. Joseph had been speaking to them in the ancient Egyptian language with an interpreter who knew Hebrew well. Has anyone here ever had a course in ancient Egyptian Well, I have. I took hieroglyphics at the seminary. Boy, was that a hard class. I don't remember much. I remember it was like cramming every week, 10 hours a day studying, hoping you'll pass the other classes. I can't say I learned hieroglyphics, but I can say I remember one word of hieroglyphics to this day. It's the word deb-deb. Repeat it after me. Deb-deb. And this is the word for heart. Heart. Now, why do I remember that word? Because it sounds like a beating heart. Deb-deb, deb-deb, deb-deb. That's the ancient Egyptian word for heart. So you go home today and say, I learned some Egyptian in church, right? Joseph knew Hebrew, but they didn't know he did. He was speaking Egyptian. His deb-deb was being broken that day. And Joseph heard in Hebrew his brothers confessing their sins to each other and acknowledging that the reckoning for his blood had come upon them. Now, that's not conversion. That's just a recognition of guilt. But that was affecting Joseph. The Hebrew word for reckoning here used is the verbal participle of the verb darash in Hebrew. It means to seek out, to search out. It can carry the idea and meaning of justice or requiring justice in a religious kind of way. So God shows up. He seeks out justice. There is a reckoning. God told Noah in Genesis 9, 5, that the reckoning is blood for blood. It's it's the principle of the lex talonis, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But if you shed blood, it's blood for blood. Look at Genesis 9, verse 5. For your lifeblood, God says to Noah, I will surely require a reckoning. Of every beast I will require, and of man, and of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. So the reckoning is you kill somebody, your life is taken In Numbers 32, 23, God says of sin. Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure, and we've often said this, your sins will what? Your sin will? What does it say? Will find you out. Sin has a way of catching up to all of us. What you've done wrong can come back to harm you at a future time. The heart of Hebrew justice, old covenant justice, is the idea that every man will die for his own sin. It's established in the law of Moses. It is reaffirmed by the prophets. Every man will die for his own sins. In fact, it is reasserted in Jeremiah 31.30, just before God promises a better covenant than the old covenant. Let's look what he says, Jeremiah 31.30. But everyone shall die, and what does it say? For his own sin. each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. In the Old Covenant, you get what you deserve. In the New Covenant, in the book of Hebrews, you get what you don't deserve in Jesus. In the Old Covenant, every man dies for his own sin. That's it. In the New Covenant, one man dies for every man, so every man and woman does not have to die anymore for their sins. You see why the New Covenant is superior? Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four is the same as Hebrews eight twelve, which talks about the New Covenant. Look at it with me. And God says, no longer shall each man teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. Now focus on this verse. And what does God say? And I will what? What does he say? I will forgive them their iniquity and I will what? Remember their sin no more. Is that good news? That's huge. To know that you've messed up, to know that you've sinned against God, to know that you've done awful things, and God can come to you in life and say, I forgive you. I will never again remember what you have done because your life is new. That is the new covenant, the universal knowledge of God. Now look at Hebrews 8, 12, and 13. Here it says the same thing in the New Testament, quoting the old, but it changes the word forgive for a different word. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. You see where God says, I will forgive their iniquity in the Hebrew? In the Greek, I will be merciful toward their iniquities. So, what is mercy? It's forgiveness. When God forgives us, He has mercy on us. I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, He treats the first as obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. I don't want a new covenant experience with God. I don't want to relate to God based on how good I am. I don't want to try to impress God that I've lived a good enough life so that I can escape the judgment of God. The wages of sin is death. I've sinned at least once or twice or more. Are you in that club with me? Okay, then I need a different covenant than that kind of justice. That won't heal me. That won't get me ready for an eternal life. That just condemns. Justice without mercy is always obsolete. We hear a lot about justice today. Oh, we need justice, justice. Friends, we need Bible justice. Justice without mercy is obsolete. God's mercy is God's forgiveness that kisses God's justice in just the kind of way that sets us free from guilt and the pit and the chains that gives us the new life in Jesus' name. The reckoning in the Old Covenant was based on the idea that every man dies for his own sin. And that kind of reckoning cannot heal you. It cannot take your guilt away. It cannot restore you. It can only crush you. Justice without mercy is no deal, no good deal, no new covenant. It's just an old, obsolete kind of thing. Thus, justice without mercy is always obsolete. Because justice without mercy is really hate in disguise. In the new covenant, one man dies for every man's sin. That's Jesus. And thus the new covenant renders the old covenant obsolete because mercy and grace is the better way to the heart of the justice of God that sets the sinner free in the divine human dance that is God's forgiveness revealed in Jesus, swirling in a dance death of life and love at the cross for you and me. The new covenant. Gandhi was right when he said, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Forgiveness is the light, and we see the light of the cross. When Christ said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. That is new covenant justice. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus. Boy, isn't that what we need? But we see Jesus. We must see Jesus. But we see Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Here it is. So that by the grace of God, that means the kindness of God, he, Jesus, might taste death for everyone or every man. Christ has turned the law of Moses on its head. You see, every man will die for his own sin is not what we see at the cross. What we see at the cross is one man dying for everyone else's sin. One man absorbing the justice that we all deserve so the mercy we don't deserve comes to us as a gift from God in the love and grace and kindness of God. Some people say, well, Jesus didn't have to die. God would never require that. Yeah, he did. Christ had to die because our sins are awful. Christ had to die because God can't pass over sin. But God was in Christ. It wasn't a proxy on the cross. It was God in Jesus dying for us to forgive us freely and to lavish upon us the forgiveness that is the new covenant form of justice. In the old covenant, every man dies for his own sin, as I said. In the new covenant of God's forgiveness and mercy, Jesus dies for every man and woman's sin. In life, justice without forgiveness is always obsolete. So make sure that you are a forgiving kind of person when you speak of justice. Friend, in Jesus, mercy is the justice of God in his deeper well of kindness. In the path of peace that shows the way to springs of living water, we need mercy to find the heart of God. The very mercy and forgiveness that is the Holy Spirit is this well of living water that flows from Jesus' side. When you forgive your enemy, have you ever had someone you hate? No confessions today. I'm not a priest, so I won't have you come up here and confess. Pastor Mike, well, there's not ten people I've hated in my life. Well, it just takes one to keep you out of heaven. It just takes one. Think of the person who's rubbed you wrong the most, the person who's hurt you the most, the person who's leveled the greatest injustice against you. That's the person Jesus died for right alongside you at the cross of Calvary. He cried out for that person just like he cried out for you. And so we love, when we love the person who hates us the most, when we can do that, we have the love of God in our life. When you forgive your enemy, you're really pronouncing judgment on him or her. You do stand in judgment mode because it's a reckoning. How? By releasing him or her from an offense, you make a judgment. But it's a good one. You say, I know you're guilty, but I release you from my judgment. And thus the reckoning of forgiveness is the highest form of justice in a way. Reuben said to all his brothers, so now there comes a reckoning for his blood.
1: We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Lux and Tanko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. So please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart.
0: Reuben was right, but not in the way he had expected him to be right. Reuben did not know that Joseph was alive. And because of that fact, forgiveness was alive. The opportunity to move on was alive. Joseph was alive. He didn't know that. Joseph heard every word that they spoke with each other. He heard it. He had to keep his composure as he heard it. And they did not know that Joseph was alive to know it and to hear it all. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ in this story. We should not fail to recognize that. Like Joseph and his family, Jesus Christ is the good son for the human race, the human family. Joseph's brothers threw him into a pit, but we all put Jesus on the cross, the deepest pit of all. We all sinned against Jesus in horrible ways as we sinned against each other and God in every way. And we all deserve, like Joseph's brothers, the wrath of God, the reckoning of God, his righteous judgment on our evil when he visits us with the memories of our offenses and the light of his law. We deserve judgment. Joseph, because of his brother's sins and for his brother's sins, experienced a deep pain with insight necessary to set them all free from their pain. When a person suffers and acquires an empathetic insight into their suffering, that person is empowered to become a healer. There is intrinsic value in learning the lessons of suffering in your life. Joseph, because of his father's sins and for his brother's sins, experienced a deep pain with insight And with that insight, he could become the healer of the world, the savior of the world in this day. Likewise, Jesus suffered because of our sins and for our sins as a man to set us all free from pain. It's no accident that Isaiah would say, By his knowledge shall my righteous one make many to be accounted righteous. Christ learned through suffering who we are and what we need. Joseph was the younger brother who learned to forgive. Jesus is the older brother of our race who came to forgive. Joseph said, bring Benjamin to me. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, Jesus is the new Joseph for all the family of the human race, who live in a distress of their own making, who cannot provide for themselves the bread of life. And Jesus is far better than Joseph because we threw Jesus into a pit far deeper and far more painful than the pit of Dothan. And there Jesus has set us free from a guilt far worse than theirs. The chains that bind us, friends, are broken by the blood of Jesus Christ in our life. Joseph heard every word that came out of their mouths. Jesus hears every prayer in your mouth and mine. Because Joseph was alive, the reckoning was the divine opportunity for forgiveness and a new life free from the offenses of the past. Friends, do you realize that according to Romans Four twenty-five. that Christ was raised from the dead for our justification. Because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, the divine reckoning is the divine decree now revealed that in Jesus we stand forgiven. In Jesus we have the new life. In Jesus we are not condemned. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ is to stand without the chains. To be in Christ is to stand without the verdict of being guilty. To be in Christ is to live the new life. Joseph shed his tears for his brothers to save them. That's what's evident in the storyline. Friends, Jesus shed his tears to set us free and save us. Turn to Hebrews 5, verse 7. Hebrews 5, verse 7. I would like to say that tears matter. When someone sheds tears for you, that person loves you. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries, and what does the text say? And tears. To him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard for his godly fear. Although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he, Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Friend, in the divine reckoning of Jesus on the cross, it is God's forgiveness and God's grace that takes the place of an isolated legal kind of justice without any mercy in it we see a different kind of justice wedded perfectly to mercy at the cross of Christ that makes the old justice obsolete in the divine reckoning in Jesus. It is God's love that takes the place of our hate. In the divine reckoning in Jesus, it is a better brother who absorbs the offenses of the inferior to make them rise to greatness, fully forgiven, fully restored. In the divine reckoning, is tears for us all that shows the way to the springs of living water that flow freely from God's heart of love that loved you and me more than the justice we deserve and that loved us more than life itself when Jesus freely shed his blood for you and me. You know, some people say, Pastor Mike, why are you talking about the blood? I need the blood. I need the blood of Jesus. I don't apologize for being a person who says, praise God, Jesus shed his blood for me. There is love in the blood and tears and the mix that flows from Calvary's cross to the lowest spot on earth where I am at. Maybe you've been there too. And there is where I find the path to wells and springs of living water. Tears matter. Tears take away fears when the right person weeps for you. Genesis forty-two twenty-four, Then he, Joseph, turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. The time had come at last for them for the reckoning. The reckoning. And they did not know that Joseph was alive. They did not know that Joseph wept for them. Friends, certain things you ought to know. Dear Heavenly Father, in this journey in the life of Joseph, to my surprise, I have found that it's easy to relive my life in the lives of the people I'm reading about. Maybe others are there as well. And Father, in this amazing story, in the very first book of the Bible, we see people who are living with issues in their lives not different than us we see people who are struggling with past bad choices like us we see them thinking like us that somehow god is out to get even and not understand that god is out to forgive and to restore and to heal lord we don't need an obsolete old covenant kind of justice we need new covenant mercy and grace and justice that works at the cross to set us free Father, it could be that someone here today who's not surrendered their heart to you, who's overcome with the things in the story, needs to know that Jesus died for them. Needs to know that the cross is forgiveness for them. They can put that stuff behind them and have a new life. And if you feel like you're that person, just raise your hand to heaven and say, that's me, Lord. That is me. And Father, that same person, like the preacher up here, needs to know that when... Your sins to heaven they're forgiven father thank you for forgiving us of our sins if you need to know that you are forgiven christ raise your hand that's, it. that's me lord now father the people who have reached out to you by faith today i know you've already reached down from jacob's ladder to them in the day of our distress jesus is near and the day when we fail you he succeeds so father god teach us to value the tears of Jesus that were shed for everyone. And, Lord, keep judgmentalism away from us. And may we never willingly harm another because Jesus shed his tears for every other as well. And, Lord, lead us in the path that is right as good people, not because we're good, but because Jesus is. And thank you for hearing this prayer and for making us happy all the day because chains have been broken. We're out of the pit. We're in the promised land with Jesus. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.
1: That will conclude The Reckoning. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Thanks for listening today. We appreciate you being here each and every week. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video, reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.